Hey, this is Stu at Bitcoin Fi, and today I wanted to talk a little bit about stable coins. I've been meaning to cover this topic for a while now, but I just have never gotten around to it. I'm not sure how many people are very familiar with this, but it's a pretty interesting space right now, especially with inflation running so hot. People that are more aware of inflation and more sensitive to that are starting to notice the price of everything going up, and obviously it's good to have an emergency fund, but it's like, where are you going to put your emergency fund to earn the most interest? Even though there are bank accounts called, quote-unquote, high-yield savings accounts, really their interest rates are not very high at all. So it's definitely a little bit difficult right now. I do use SoFi Bank, and a while ago they were doing 1% on both their savings and their checking account, and when the Fed raised rates a quarter of a percent, SoFi almost immediately also raised rates a quarter of a percent. So I was pretty impressed by that because most banks will severely lag any increases in the federal funds rate, but not so far. They were pretty on the ball with that. All right, so I wanted to talk about stablecoins, and this is possibly something that would appeal to people as far as getting into crypto, where I think they can see the value of this. It's kind of like a mix between Bitcoin and dollars that you're used to. So it has none of the volatility that you would experience with Bitcoin. You know, that's one of the things that people don't like about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies is just, yeah, I'll put my money into it, but the price could be up or down 10 to 20% in any given day. And also Bitcoin and Ethereum have a track record of dipping 80% every few years while also having these huge percentage increases. So you just don't ever know what you're going to get exactly. Stable coins are a little bit different because you get all the benefits of blockchain, of this decentralized, transparent ledger, and really fast transactions, no intermediaries, kind of. I mean, I'm not really sure how much the companies that issue stable coins influence the coins and, and different things. So just to kind of get started, I'm going to list off a few of the stable coins that I'm aware of. The original stable coin was called Tether. And it has a ticker called USDT. And I, I don't know a whole lot about this. I have some apprehension towards USDT, towards Tether, just because supposedly the company is made in an offshore jurisdiction that's not subject to US laws and therefore doesn't have the same, I don't know, security and just auditing and all that stuff. So I'm always apprehensive on Tether, although it has always kept its peg. And supposedly it has, basically like when you put a dollar into Tether or into a stable coin, they take that dollar and they hold it in reserve, and then they turn that into a digital dollar. So for every dollar, if I put $100 in, there's 100 new Tethers created, Tether coins created, and that's what you own. And if you want to cash it out and sell that 100 Tether tokens, those Tether tokens go away and you get your dollars back. I think that's how it kind of works. I'm not an expert on this, but anyway, there are some compelling reasons why stablecoins are attractive right now, and it's because you can earn a lot of interest. But let me keep going with the stablecoins that I do tend to like. Gemini has a coin called Gemini US Dollar Coin, or GUSD is the token. And I do use Gemini Exchange for that, and right now they're paying 6.9% interest on that token and they are an American company they are audited monthly so I tend to trust them a little bit better 
There's this other company called Circle that has US dollar coin, USDC, and it's also an American company. And you can get that on Coinbase, but you can't really earn interest there. Let's see. With the Gemini coin, I also have a little bit of that on BlockFi earning 7.25%. And it used to be higher, but the rates have kind of come down since the price of the whole crypto market hasn't really gone up quite so much lately. So this is kind of hard to explain. I guess, how do you get these super high interest rates? It's basically because when you go and buy crypto, you're paying some transaction fees. And if you're not paying transaction fees, you're usually paying a spread. And the spread can be very, very small, like on Strike, or it can be substantially higher, like on Voyager. So there's different places and different platforms you can buy these coins when you open up an account. Okay, so I'll give you some of my favorites as far as where to go. Now, the landscape is changing, and again, I'm not an expert on this, but, you know, some of these tokens, in a way, I guess the interest that you're getting paid has been, you could say, like, securitized. And I believe the SEC has kind of cracked down. And so BlockFi used to be one of the best places that you could earn yield on your Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Gemini US dollar coin. But that is no longer the case. The SEC has cracked down on them and they were kind of used as an example. They had to pay a $100 million fine. And I will link this because, again, I'm no expert and I can't explain it better than the article that I read. But basically my understanding is it's just a gray area and the SEC decided that how they were paying this interest and stuff was kind of like securitized and it's fine, you can do this, but you have to register with us, something like that. And so the money that I had there, I'm kind of grandfathered in. So it used to be that my interest could compound. So if I was earning interest on my Bitcoin or on my Gemini US dollar coin, that interest would get reinvested and then I continue to earn more and more interest, right? But now what it does is it, since they have not yet registered with the SEC yet, that takes some time to get all the paperwork and everything sorted out. Now the interest I get, like I am grandfathered in and I still can earn interest, but it just goes into this wallet that does not earn interest, okay? And also anyone that opens a BlockFi account can no longer earn interest on BlockFi anymore. Uh, it's too late. So if you can open the account, you can get the credit card. It's great. Um, I love the the credit card with the one and a half percent Bitcoin back on every purchase. But you can no longer earn interest on that platform unless you already had an account before this SEC ruling. Okay. So the next one was Celsius. I really like Celsius. They paid a little bit higher rates. I also think they have you know a little bit of a spread on their stuff there, but what I was doing is I was buying on Coinbase and paying fees on Coinbase and then I transfer over to Celsius to earn some interest since you couldn't earn interest on Coinbase. Celsius actually on April 15th, they had this cutoff where they're kind of following in the footsteps of BlockFi and they're shutting down their interest program unless, you know, basically we had until April 15th to put money into Celsius and we could earn interest. And if you miss that deadline, you can still open an account you can still buy crypto, sell crypto, trade crypto, but you can no longer earn interest unless you were already there. So again, I got grandfathered into that one. And they do pay interest if you are an accredited investor, but otherwise they no longer pay interest. So anyway, I don't know if this is going to continue 
on with Gemini and with Voyager. Some of the other platforms that I've been looking at, I think Crypto.com also pays interest and FTX. And also there's Ledin and, and uh, a few others. But anyway, with Gemini, I'm actually still contributing a little bit of dollars there basically to buy more Gemini US dollar coin and earn that 6.9%. The other platform where you can still earn interest is actually a Canadian company and it's Voyager. Now I don't think they charge fees when you buy crypto with them, but they definitely have a little bit of a spread. So I'm not really sure how it works with um, buying a stable coin because it's obviously pegged to the dollar. So I'm not sure if there's a fee or how that works, but I'm looking at the Voyager app right now. They do not pay interest on Tether, but they paid interest on US dollar coin, which is one that I like. They pay 9% interest on it. Okay. So on Gemini, it's 6.9%. On Voyager, it's 9%. The other one I'm looking at is Ledin. I do not have an account there yet, but they also pay 9% on US dollar coin. So there's still a few places that you can go and earn this yield, but it seems like it's going to get cracked down on a little bit more. Oh, and, and SmartFi is another one. I covered them a few episodes ago when they became a sponsor of Supercross, so it seems like you can earn a lot of interest with them still on a lot of things. But anyway, I'm not really sure the long-term sustainability of this. And I guess you're probably wondering, how can they pay 7 or 9% on, on basically dollar coins? And again, every company is probably going to have some nuance and some differences, so I can't say for sure how it works at every company. But this is basically how I read it, is what these platforms do is they're essentially like a crypto bank. Okay, And what do banks do? Well, you put your money in the bank, and then that bank does loans, right? They lend people mortgages, they have credit cards through them, they have home equity lines of credit, and car loans, boat loans, whatever kind of loan, right? Personal loans. They go and they invest it. They might invest it in the stock market. They might invest it in different ways. And they go and earn a yield. And the national average interest rate on a bank account is like 0.06. I've heard it put, um, at least for Celsius, where what happens is the banks will keep 80% of the money that they generate and keep that for themselves and then the 20% they will give back to the depositors in interest. Uh, it's probably less than 20%, right? So the Celsius CEO, his name is Mashinsky. I can't remember his first name, but he basically said, we do it the other way around. We keep 20% for ourselves and we can operate on that and we give 80% back to the depositors. So I can't speak to how true that is on everything, but there's also the factor of like Voyager has a spread, but no fees, uh, but Celsius has fees. So when you buy Bitcoin or whatever crypto you want on Celsius or Coinbase or Gemini, you know, you, you're usually paying when you buy, we'll say $100 worth, you're usually paying like a, a 3% fee. It could be anywhere from a 1% to 3% fee, or in the case of Voyager, you're paying no fee, but you are paying a spread, meaning you're not getting the true spot price. It's a little bit elevated, and they're just taking a little bit of a cut from the middle from the price that they listed. Um, it's not a true representation of the actual price. It's, it's listed a little bit higher, and they're taking out just a little bit in the middle. So that's one way 
that crypto exchanges make money is through fees and through spreads, right? Um, unlike a bank, when you put your money in there, like it's just dollars going into a bank, and they do not charge you for that. But they do often charge you fees and credit card fees and stuff like that. So obviously, banks have a different way of earning income. Um, I mean, it's still fee-based, but in a different way. And then mostly they earn it from interest from other investments. But crypto exchanges earn fees on every transaction, right? Or they earn a spread on every transaction. So that's how they get paid. The other thing is these crypto exchanges, they are also issuing loans. So Celsius, you can go and get a loan against your Bitcoin. Like let's just say you had $100,000 of Bitcoin. You can get a loan for $25,000, so 25% loan to value. You're taking out a quarter of your Bitcoin and turning it into cash without selling any of the Bitcoin. And they'll actually give that to you for like 1%. It's extremely low interest. And you do have to pay it back. I think it's kind of like a balloon payment after a year or so. I'm not sure all the terms exactly. But basically, you have these people that have a lot of crypto and they don't want to sell it. And the reason they don't want to sell it is because if they do, they're going to have to pay a lot of capital gains tax, either short or long-term capital gains. And so it's smarter for those people that maybe got into Bitcoin when it was 3000 and they bought several of them, but now they need some money for a car or a down payment or something. So what they do is they will collateralize their cryptocurrency on a platform like Celsius, BlockFi, or Ledin, and they will take out a loan and depending on the loan to value and how long they're going to keep that loan, because you can get loans of like 70% loan to value, I think, or 60%, and that's a little bit more risky with the volatility, or you can get a lower loan to value, and that's less risky for them. But the, the more you take out, the higher the interest rate's going to be, right? The longer the term also, I think, the higher the interest rate's going to be. So I've seen the interest rates be anywhere between like 7 and 13%. So they're earning a whole bunch of interest on people's Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and other cryptos that they're collateralizing for loans, right? So that's how these exchanges are making money. And that's how you as a depositor, when you deposit your money with them and you earn that 7 or 9% interest on a stablecoin, that's how they pay you that 7 or 9% is from the loans, right? So basically the whole game is they want to incentivize people to deposit their money as much as possible. They want you to deposit your cryptocurrencies and they're going to pay you interest. That's how they're going to incentivize you to. And with all of that, they're able to relend some of the deposits into interest earning opportunities for basically people that want to borrow against their crypto and they get to keep some of the interest that they make on top of the fees that they charge for transactions. So anyway, that's kind of how it works on a very high level with some of these platforms. And again, the platforms you can use now for loans are Celsius, SmartFi, and Ledin. Those are the three that I'm most familiar with. And you can earn a good amount of interest still on Voyager, but I don't think they do loans. And you can earn a good amount of interest on Gemini on a few things. Their interest on Bitcoin is not very high right now. I think it's 1%. On Voyager, it's, I think, 5 or 6%. Uh, Ledin is paying 5% on Bitcoin deposits, up to, I think, half a Bitcoin. 
Ledin is also paying 9% on stablecoins. So there's still a few places out there you can earn some really good interest on Bitcoin or a stablecoin. And with inflation right now, you know, that has a strong appeal. We know that inflation is somewhere, I mean, last reported, it was about 8.5% year over year. But I have seen, and I don't have a source immediately in front of me, but I've seen where depending on how you calculate it, if inflation was calculated like it was 25 years ago, I think it shows that inflation is closer to 15 or 20%, right? So the way that they calculate inflation has changed over the years, and it's made it seem smaller than it has in the past. And I think we can all kind of sense it that inflation is probably not 8.5%. It probably is double digits. It's probably between 10 and 20% or something in that area, right? So it kind of makes some sense where if you're sitting on, we'll say, six months of an emergency fund, and you want that money liquid, right? This is kind of like a Dave Ramsey principle, but it's also just smart money management to have an emergency fund. And so let's say that you live off $4,000 a month. So that six-month emergency fund is about $25,000, $24,000. Well, that $24,000 in the last year has lost 10% of its value. That's $2,500 that it's lost in purchasing power just about in the last year if not a little bit more. And so it kind of makes sense to me that you would want to put some of this into a stable coin that's earning 7 or 9% to try and keep up with inflation better, right? That makes sense to me. So here's the downside of stable coins and earning interest on one of these crypto platforms is basically insurance. When you have your money at the bank, you have FDIC insurance from the government. If someone hacks your bank account and drains that $25,000 emergency fund that you have, well, you're insured. You're going to be able to recover that money, and you don't have to worry about it, really. With crypto, if someone hacks your Ledin, Gemini, or Voyager account and transfers all the crypto out, you have no guarantee that you're going to get that money back. Um, Yes, maybe there is a way for law enforcement to get it back because, you know, they have had some government agencies recover stolen crypto, but it's going to be a lot harder and there's definitely no promise or no guarantee that you will ever see that money again. So this is why two-factor authentication with an app like Google Authenticator or Microsoft Authenticator or Authy, this type of two-factor authentication is so much better than a text message two-factor authentication. So I would definitely look into that and also possibly using a password manager to make unique passwords that are, I mean, honestly, for my crypto platforms, I'm usually making a password that's between 40 characters and 100 characters long, and I don't have to remember it because I use a password manager. So those are the two main ways to keep that secure. I don't think it makes sense to take your six-month emergency fund and stick all 25,000 of it in there, we'll say, even though it'd be awesome to earn almost 10% and keep up with inflation, pretty much. But the issue of having insurance from the government still matters, I think, and it's still a good protection to have. I would not put my whole emergency fund into stablecoins, but I would be willing to put in, we'll say, between 10 and 30% of my emergency fund into stablecoins. So if I had $25,000, yeah, I'd probably feel 
comfortable putting $10,000 in at most into stablecoins, and you would keep up with inflation on a lot of that money, but you still, like if you lost that $10,000, it's not a good thing, obviously, but you still have the $15,000. You're not risking it all. So just know that with crypto and blockchain, if someone hacks, there's no insurance, there's no real recourse. It's kind of like Venmo or Cash App or Zelle. If you send that money at the garage sale that you're you're sending someone money on Venmo for something and you send it to the wrong person, sorry, you're out of luck. That's kind of how it is. So you definitely got to be careful and think through that. But this is one way that you can kind of keep up with inflation is to build up a little bit of a portfolio in a stable coin. And hopefully that's a good quick overview of stable coins and how crypto banking works and some of these crypto platforms that are paying interest work. Uh, I do want to mention just one last thing. There are some algorithmic stable coins like DAI is one of them, D-A-I, and UST, which is made by Terra, Terra Luna. Um, anyway, there's two tokens associated with Terra. Uh, one is called Terra, one is called Luna. Again, I'm not an expert on this either, but basically Terra has a coin called UST. It is a stable coin. Um, it is tied to the dollar, but it is not backed by dollars. It is backed by Bitcoin. So it is what's called an algorithmic stable coin. And it has something to do with the other token, Luna, that goes up and down. Again, I'm no expert on all the tokenomics between these two coins, this UST and the Luna coin and how it's backed by Bitcoin, and how the algorithm keeps it pegged to a dollar. I cannot explain that in depth. I just know that's the idea behind it, and it has not lost its peg. Some stablecoins have lost their peg with the dollar and fallen down to 80 cents or 75 cents or something, and kind of come back or kind of not. Uh, so there's definitely some things you got to be aware of with algorithmic stablecoins. And I also mentioned the ones that are just normal, like USDC, and GUSD, that's the Circle and the Gemini coin, those are my two go-tos. I also shy away from Tether. So hopefully that makes sense, and I've been wanting to cover this for a while, so I'm glad I put this out here today. And if you have any more questions, please let me know. I can definitely do a deeper dive or possibly find uh, a guest to interview on this subject. And with that, remember that financial independence is doable, and I'll be back with you soon.